Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. For those of you I haven't met, I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And we are gathered to celebrate Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus this morning. So I will be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And I invite you to hear this word of hope that we find in the gospel. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God for this word. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Lord, We gather here this morning to proclaim to the world that you are raised, that you are alive, that death could not hold you down, but that you overcame the grave. We gather this morning to proclaim this hope, to rest in this hope, and we ask that you would deepen our hope in you. Deepen our hope in your resurrection, the hope that you've shared with us. Root us in that, Lord, and help us to hear your word clearly. We thank you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. So some of you know that my wife Emily and I had our second born son about six weeks ago. So six weeks ago, we went off to the hospital and he was born. And any of you who have had children or you have nieces and nephews or you just watch television commercials, you know there's a lot that goes into preparing for a new child and a lot of stuff you have to go buy. So we were going out trying to buy the double stroller, trying to get everything ready, trying to baby-proof the house. But what Emily and I were surprised by was that most of our preparation actually wasn't focused on the new child that was coming. It was on our two-and-a-half-year-old. Because we realized... When we went to the hospital, that was going to be the first time in his life that we would be away from him for more than an hour or two. You see, my first son, he's two and a half, he was born October 2019. If you do the math and you know your history, that's just a few months before the COVID-19 pandemic took over the world. So for the first few months of his life, we were there because he was young and I was taking a leave from work so I could be there. But then the pandemic hit. And Emily and I were there nonstop with him. And I'm immunosuppressed, so in those early months, we were all definitely there. 
making sure that we were okay, that he was healthy, that I was healthy. And one of the benefits of that was that we got to spend so much time together. We got to bond. We got to attach. I got to be there for every moment in his early life. And it was a blessing in some ways. But all of a sudden, when we're having the second kid, we're realizing he's never been away from us. How is he going to handle this? And we started getting nervous about that. So we spent months trying to prepare him, saying, mom and dad are going to go away. Your grandparents are going to be here. They'll give you more toys than we give you. You'll be just fine. (laughs) We tried to get him ready for this moment. And the day finally arrived. And Emily went into labor. And we were at home. And a few hours into it, we decided it's time to go to the hospital. So I took our son into his room. And I said to him, hey, buddy, it's time. We've been telling you about this for months. Mom and dad are going to go away. Your grandparents are going to be here. They'll bring you all sorts of toys. They're on their way. And his response to me was, one more minute with you. And it just broke my heart. But it also reminded me, that's actually how he manipulates us. That's his negotiation <laughs> tactic. When we're at a play place and he wants to, we need to get him home and he doesn't want to leave, he says, one more minute, one more minute. It turns into 10. Because um, I'm, I, 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 I'm a pushover. Um, so, I, of course, I said, okay, one more minute. So we, we played for another minute, and then he said, one more minute, and I said, okay, fine. And then he said, one more minute, I said, okay, fine. And then Emily finally said, we got to go. <laughs> so we get in the car, we're driving away, and Emily just starts crying. And I just said, trying to be comforting, what are you feeling? What's going on? You know, the stuff the therapist tells you to say in those moments. <laughs> and Emily just says, what if I die and I never get to see him again? And I never come home. And I wanted to comfort her, but in my mind, I was thinking about the moment when there will come a time when I will say one more minute to my son, and the answer will be no, and our time will end together. And all I was thinking about was the fact that somehow, for some reason, we have to say goodbye to the people we love. So there we are in this incredibly happy moment that should be joyous, and we're both worried about death. And two things stuck out to me in that moment. One was Emily and I need to go to the therapist more and work on our catastrophic thinking because we went from zero to 100 very quickly there. There was no reason to think that she was going to die or that I'm going to have to say goodbye to my son anytime soon. But the second thing that stuck out to me was that even in the most joyous of moments, even the most happy of moments, grief and death can somehow creep in and ruin the good things in this life. And every single one of us will have a moment with something or someone. You might be one of those people who says, I don't fear death. I don't believe you entirely. But there's still something you don't want to let go of. There's something you don't want to say goodbye to. But a time will come when you'll be asking for one more minute. You'll be wanting to hold on to something and you'll have to let go of it. And the answer will seem like it's no. That idea of one more minute, it just hit me so hard in that moment. Easter is God's answer to the request for one more minute. Jesus' resurrection is God's response to that desire to hold on to the good things in this world. And that's what we are celebrating today as Christians. You might think that Christian faith is about being a part of a community. And that's great. Being part of a church is very important and having community is important. But that isn't the basis of Christian faith. It's not just being a part of a community because the truth is you can find good community outside of the church also. 
There are all sorts of organizations, all sorts of groups and gatherings you can go and be a part of and find good community there. That's not what binds Christians together. And you might think that Christian faith is about living a virtuous life or being a good example or a good model for people. But that's not what Christian faith is actually about at its core. It's not about what we do. It's not about who we are. And there's people who are of other faiths or no faith that are good examples, that live lives that actually reflect God's character. That's not what pulls Christians together. And you may have thought Christian faith is about being fulfilled and having purpose in your life. That's important and it's good. But that's not what Christian faith is actually based on. People of other faiths, people of no faith, they have purpose too. They can find ways to find purpose in their own lives. None of that is actually what Christian faith is based on. Christian faith, Easter, what we celebrate, it is the resurrection of Jesus. That is the foundation for everything. Christian faith is hope in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we are here. That's where we are gathered. And when I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus, I want to be very clear what I mean there. I'm not talking about a myth. I'm not talking about a story. I'm not talking about a metaphor. I'm not talking about just words on page. What I'm talking about is the proclamation, the news that has been passed down to us for 2,000 years, that a long time ago, a group of people followed a man named Jesus, and they watched him die. They watched him die a gruesome death on the cross. But days later, hundreds of them, thousands of them, the Bible tells us, claimed that they saw him again. And it wasn't a myth or story or a metaphor. They actually believed that they had seen him again. And some of them even touched him and interacted with him and had stories with him. And because of that, they had hope that he had overcome death and that death wasn't what wins in the end. That's the resurrection. And that's what pulls us here. And the resurrection is Christian faith. Hope in the resurrection is what binds us together here. And that's what we proclaim to the world. Now, I say resurrection is the Christian faith, the basis of it, for two reasons, really. One is the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection to come. That is the central message of the New Testament. Go and read the Bible closely. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the first three quarters of the Gospels. They'll cover about a three-year time span. And then you get to the last quarter of it when it starts talking about Jesus going to the cross and the resurrection and everything slows down. In the first three quarters, time is measured with years and months. In the last quarter of each gospel, time becomes measured in days and hours. It's like the gospels want to put your attention to those days, to those events and saying, this is the focus. This is where you slow down, you pay attention and you watch everything that's going to happen from here on out. Continue on in the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. Look at Peter and Paul's speeches. And mark how many times they pull you back to the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection to come. Go ahead and read Paul's letters. He'll talk about all sorts of different topics, but he'll always bring it back to the resurrection of Jesus. Every single book in the New Testament begins and ends and numerous times through the middle focuses on the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection to come. That's the message that is central, that pulls everything together, and everything else is secondary. That's why we are here, because some people thousands of years ago genuinely believed that death had been overcome through the resurrection of Jesus. 
So that's why I say that that's the basis of Christian faith. It's what started everything, and it's why this message continues. All that other stuff, community, virtuous life, purpose, that's all great, but it fades. Because eventually, we hit those moments where we want one more minute, and none of that is going to be there for you. The second reason that I say that Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus is because Jesus' resurrection, it confirmed everything else that Jesus said. So if you want to embrace other things that Jesus says, none of it makes sense if the resurrection didn't actually happen. Because over and over and over again, Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be raised. And in the angel, in the scripture passage that I read, in this account of the resurrection said, he was raised just as he said. In this event, Jesus' words are confirmed. Everything else he said we know to be true because he was truthful in this. It's not just that he was raised from the dead. However miraculous that is, however marvelous that is, it's not just that he was raised from the dead. Other people in the Bible are raised from the dead. In Matthew alone, before the story of the resurrection, we get news of other people who were raised at the moment when Jesus dies. In the Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. And in the Old Testament, there's a prophet who raises a widow's son from the dead. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It's not just that he was raised from the dead. It's everything that he said about that event. Everything that he said he was doing in that. His claim to be God in human form. His claim that God was overcoming death. And most importantly, it's Jesus' claim that his resurrection was a foretaste of what was to come. In Jesus' resurrection... In that moment, the one that we celebrate today, we learn that death does not get the final word. Because of everything else Jesus said, because of the fact that he is there standing alive, death does not get the final word. That is the basis of Christian faith. And that pushes us to a hope in the resurrection to come. That in the same way Jesus was raised, we will be raised too. So we all have those moments where you want one more minute. And we know that in this life, left to our own devices, we have to say goodbye to the people, to the things, to the places, to the times that we love. But God's answer is Jesus standing there, alive, letting us know that death has been overcome, that there is a resurrection to come. That hope pushes us and it drives us as Christians. And that is the hope that the world needs to hear and needs to see in each and every one of us. So my wife and I went to the hospital. Our son was born, the second one. The whole time I'm texting my my in-laws asking how my other son's doing. Is he okay? Is he all right? They kept saying, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. I didn't believe them. (laughs) And I show up on the day, well, we, not me, sorry, we all show up with the kid. I didn't, just, I didn't leave my wife at the hospital or anything. We all show up and we walk inside and I called out to my son and called his name. And he came running out of his room faster than I've ever seen him run. And there was this visible sense of relief that we could see on him. And he grabbed his mom and hugged her for like an hour and then noticed I was back too. <laughs> but that relief That moment when we realized it wasn't as big of a deal as we were nervous about, that it really was okay, that's the promise of the resurrection. 
that one day, whatever it is you've experienced, whatever it is you've had to let go of, whatever scars you're carrying, that there will come a day where Jesus will return, all will be redeemed and restored, and we will feel that sense of relief looking back on it all saying, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. That's the promise of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we proclaim today. And anytime that we say Jesus is raised, that's what we're announcing to the world. So on today of all days, let us proclaim to the world, He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, you overcame death. We know that this gospel story, it's not just a story. We trust that it's true, Lord, that it happened, that it's not a metaphor, it's not a myth, that this actually took place. We accept the testimony of the New Testament, Lord, and we proclaim to the world that there is hope for one more minute. We proclaim the hope that death does not get the final word. We proclaim the hope that you win in the end and that you are redeeming and restoring this world. So Lord, help us to look towards that relief. Help us to look towards that hope. Help us to live in that reality, Lord. Whatever despair, whatever grief, whatever scars we're carrying, infect it with your hope, Lord, that we might trust in you. And as we go to take our offering and continue our worship with tithes and offerings, we ask that you use this offering so that we can be a community that lets people know who you are, that shares your hope, that gives people a glimpse of what your redeemed world looks like, that reminds people that death has been overcome. So Lord, bless these gifts and use them towards that end. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you. 